Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food, the people, the culture, and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell so you get all of our freshest episodes. If you'd like to take us with you in an audio format, um, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, also, this episode is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards, the best choice if you want to learn Hebrew or just brush up. Um, we have a new one that I'm working on. It is verbs, um, and it's taking so much work. Um, but we're going to have that coming for you. It's available, all of our sets, um, from the Aleph Bet to body and clothing and uh, numbers in Hebrew, are available on Amazon for Kindle. And if you do not have the Kindle app on your Android uh, desktop, iPhone, iPad, or Mac, uh, head on over to Amazon and pick it up. There's a link in the description below. All right. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Um, we are in part two of Ashdod, which you can see up on the board in English and in Hebrew. Um, we covered the history last episode, and the history takes us all the way up to the end of the British Mandate, and we start um with the modern history of Ashdod and Ashdod's a really amazing beach community city it's awesome um and let's get into it um Ashdod is the sixth largest city in Israel it is home to Israel's largest deep water port and accounts for 60% of the country's imported goods um if you have it and it's not from Israel and you're in Israel, chances are you pr it probably came through Ashdod. Um, it's location in the southern district of Israel between Tel Aviv, 20 miles to the north, and Ashkelon, 12 miles to the south. Jerusalem is 33 miles to the east. That tells you where it is. Um, the city is also one of the southern district's largest industrial centers. Now, where do we always start with the modern city? We start with the creation of the Jewish state, 1948, when David Ben-Gurion got up in the what is the Knesset and stated before the world, Israel is a country and it is the home to the Jewish people. Um, what happened? Well, immediately, uh, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, and I think Lebanon all conspired to destroy that brand new state. Uh, that brand new state. Um, and on May 29, 1948, 
Egyptian forces occupied the village of Isdud. Remember, I told you that Ashdod in its past was two cities, a seaside Ashdod and an inland Ashdod. One was a port and one was a, I guess, like a mercantile center, a center of industry and, and production um, in the ancient world. <clears throat> and uh, that eventually, uh, after the Mamluks destroyed the city for the last time once the crusaders were gone um it maintained itself by becoming the village of Isdud, and that is where the egyptian forces occupied um in may 19th on may 19th 1948 um and they held it as their northernmost position in their push uh from the south a strategic failure on behalf of the Egyptians, led to an abrupt change of offensive action uh, to a defensive stance. All while uh, the Israeli forces um, were failing to capture territory as they suffered heavy casualties. So they made this strategic decision uh, based on what they were seeing on the ground, which I, I don't know, you know, would any other army have made maybe the same decision? You see Israel's forces um, taking casualties and their push being held back. So Egypt probably said, well, we really don't have to do much. We can just sit here. Um, this halting of the Egyptians push northwards allowed Israeli forces to bog the Egyptians down and engage them in a way that gave Israel the tactical advantage. Because you got to understand, <clears throat> the um, um, the Haganah, the precursor to the IDF, um, they had this organization called the Palmak, and they were their uh, they were their strike force. And you know, you get a defensive position, Palmak is just going to be hungry. And they're going to go after it. Um, now, during Operation Pleshet, which took place uh, from May um, 29th to June 3rd, 1948. I may have that date wrong because I have it written here horribly wrong. Um, the Egyptians were unable to hold the Ad Halom Bridge over the Lachish River, which is to the east of Ashdod. Um, following this fighting... Israeli forces surrounded the town and shelled Egyptian positions while also bombing them from the air. And we did an episode on Herzliya and the secret air base that they had in Herzliya, which is now the home to uh, IDC uh, Herzliya, the university. And you got to imagine that those bombers, those fighters that went and dropped bombs, must have come down the coast from Herzliya. Um, and if you've been watching, you'd know this. Uh, sorry, I'm just playing. Um, so for three nights, starting on October 18th, 1948, the Israeli Air Force bombed Egyptian positions within East Dude. So they were just, they were softening these positions so they could go in and take them out. Um, now... It's a normal aspect of modern warfare. Now, without resupply and lacking reinforcements to withstand their feared encirclement by the IDF, who was making gains, um, Egyptian forces retreated on October 28, 1948. Now, during this retreat, the majority of Eastwood's Arab residents also fled. Um, 
due to the material and support given by the Arab residents of the town to the Egyptian forces. Because remember, I just said that Istud was used as their northernmost head, uh, headquarters. Um, so due to the, the Arab residents giving support and material support to Egyptian forces during um, their, their occupation of Istud, the remaining 300 Arab townspeople were removed by the Israeli Defense Forces. And that was something that happened in Beersheba. That's something that happened in Ashkelon. And that's something that happened during World War II um, with, uh, with if you were found to be conspiring, if we look at France and we look at what they did to people who were conspiring with uh, German forces, um, this is a normal practice in war. Um, it stinks if you thought the Egyptians were going to win, but it's you fall uh, on the side of the loser of the battle, and that's just where you wind up. Um, now, Istud was then, as part of the 1949 Armistice Agreement, included as a part of the territory granted to the state of Israel following the war. So, no tremendous battle like the Battle of Beersheba, no big battle like the Battle of Haifa or Tiberias, but we did have some action. Um, Isdud, which would become Ashdod, did see some action because there was such a spearhead of Egyptian forces in that town, and they were using it to make the IDF's life pretty much unbearable. So hold on, I'm gonna have a sip of coffee. Peter Madeira and J-Hats, my two patron sponsors. This is for you. Hey, if you want to be a patron sponsor, get your name mentioned on the podcast. Just head on over. Um, the, uh, the link is in the description, but it's also in the beginning. So one moment, uh, Peter Madeira and J-Hats. Hold on. Mm. And that is awesome, Jacob's Coffee. I love you. Need to get a sponsorship from them. They're Polish, but if you're in Israel, everyone drinks a Jacob's coffee. So uh, now, what do we got? The war is over. Armistice agreement. Modern Ashdod. How did modern Ashdod come to be? Because as I've been telling you, it's known as Istud. So by the end of the war, a large influx of new immigrants began to enter Israel. And with this a new movement was started to create new moshavim or collective farms, not to be confused with kibbutzim, which are collective farms also, but they follow a different model. Um, and they were started to create new moshavims, uh, moshavim or collective farms to employ and feed these new residents um, of the state. And in 1950, the moshavim of Sde. Uziyahu, and hold on, I gotta, I'm having trouble reading this. Shtulim were established to the east of Istud, and in 1949 and 1953, Bnei Darom and Gan Hadarom were established to the north of Istud. So this is already, you're starting to see movement back into the area. Israel's bringing new immigrants in to revitalize this village. Um, now, by 1956, the modern city of Ashdod was founded. So Ashdod was rebuilt from history by the Jewish state. 
I think that's pretty cool. Um, kind of the same thing happened with Ashkelon. And uh, it uh, its founders envisioned it as a planned city with expansion intended to follow a main development plan, uh, which facilitated traffic and prevented air pollution in the residential areas, despite its future uh, population growth. So you'll find this in a lot of Israeli cities. They have this radio pattern um, where that allows for uh, new neighborhoods to be built and add to, and they all follow this preordained plan. Now, on May 1st, 1956, then finance minister uh, Levi Eshkol approved the establishment of the city of Ashdod, uh, Ashdod Company Limited, and it was a daughter company of the City Builders uh, Company Limited and was created for the purpose uh, by Ovid Ben Ami and Philip Kutznik. The first settlers, 22 families from Morocco, Morukai, um, arrived in November 1956, followed by a small influx of immigrants from Egypt. Now this, of course, if you know your history and you've been listening to this podcast, this follows uh, the Jewish expulsion from Arab countries um, post-establishment of the state. Um, they said, all right, fine, you guys want to have a Jewish state, then our Jewish residents can go. And, and it's funny because sometimes uh, you hear families say, well, there wasn't any directive by said country for us to leave. Uh, one story that I heard was that a, uh, an uncle was murdered by people in their town, left on the doorstep with a, and, and it was done with the understanding that if you don't leave, um, more of you will wind up like your uncle and they wound up leaving that night. So, and some of them came to Ashdod. Now in July, 1957, uh, the government granted nine square miles, approximately 20 miles from Tel Aviv to the Ashdod company limited. Remember I told you that was founded in 56 for building the modern city of Ashdod. The building of the Eshkol Alpha Power Station in Ashdod uh, A uh, was completed in 1958 and included three units, two units of 50 megawatts and one unit of 45 megawatts with seawater desalinization capabilities. Now, that's one of the cool things. Um, desalination is this big push that uh, Israel has invested in the science and is selling it to developing countries to meet their water needs. They've been doing it in Ashdod since 1957. Now, realizing Ashdod's future potential, industrialist uh, Israel Rogosin made a substantial investment towards the city's development by opening his main Israeli factory in the city of Ashdod on August 9th, 1960. Uh, three of the high schools he funded were also built in Ashdod, and the main boulevard in Ashdod is named in honor of the founder of the city. And in October of 1959, the city's first official local council was appointed with Dov Gur uh, chosen as the first local council head on behalf of the Israeli Ministry of the interior. So they are just chugging along 
And by 1960, after all of this work and this planned development, um, Ashdod was a town of 4,600 residents. Cool. Now, the magistrate's court in the city was inaugurated a couple of years later in 1963. And the building of the port of Ashdod began in, although it began in April 1961, I know I'm going back a little bit, the port was inaugurated on November 1963 and was first utilized in November 1965 with the coming of the Swedish ship Wigengeldgad. So the Swedes were the first to come to that port. Good job, Sweden. Way to go. I'm now very happy I own a Volvo. Anyways, moving on. The the city expanded gradually with the construction of two quarters in the 1960s, followed by four more in the 1970s and two more in the 1980s. But back in 1972, the population was 40,300 and grew to 65,700 by 1983. So they picked up 25, almost 26,000 people. Um, in that span of time and large-scale growth of the city began in 1991 with the massive arrival of immigrants from the Soviet Union and Ethiopia and uh, it and that brought a lot of infrastructure development to uh, accommodate these new immigrants and from 1990 to 2000 uh, the city grew by 150 percent with the arrival of more than a hundred thousand new inhabitants and during this time five more quarters of the city were completed and a business district was built and in the 2000s three more quarters and the marina districts were completed so ashdod has seen this steady steady boom like remember i told you in the haifa episode there it grew immediately after the establishment of the state, but it kind of tapered off. And then Haifa went and put in, you know, some plans and some infrastructure plans, and then Haifa started to grow. That wasn't the case with Ashdod. Ashdod just started boom, boom, booming um, from the word go. Now, in 2012, Ashdod was one of six cities uh, that won the education prize awarded by the Israel Ministry of Education, And the population of Ashdod in 2019, according to the Israel Central Bureau of Statistics, was 225,939, and it encompassed an area of 18.24 square miles. That's pretty big. And it's also a lot of people in a relatively, not small place, but in that area, that's a lot of people. Now, Ashdod today is home to the largest Moroccan Jewish community in Israel, the largest Karaite Jewish community in Israel, and the largest Georgian Jewish community in the world. What? Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. I love that. I love it. I love an episode like this because it's boom, boom, boom. Everything is good. Everything moves up. Everything shows... um, forward-thinking, positive-thinking people. I'm sure there's bad stuff about Ashdod. I did a criminal underworld episode where I talked about the Israeli mafia, and there's Ashdod is one of the homes, probably because of the port. But overall, that's a blip 
on the uh, on the screen. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right, I'm gonna take another sip and then we're gonna move on to what is in Ashdog. Mm. I love this coffee. It's amazing. Um, Peter, man, oh, this coffee is amazing. Mm. All right, I appreciate your patience through those little coffee breaks <laughs> that I take. Um, but, uh, all right. So as I talk about the modern city, one of the most important things for me, just because of what I love is their sport and how they, uh, express themselves athletically. Um, so Ashdod's football team, um, FC Eroni Ashdod, uh, represents the city in the Israel premier league. The club is known for its successful football school, um, which brings people up from youth all the way up. And if, you know, it's it's kind of like a pipeline for uh, not just for athletic education, but also for those who excel. Um, the, um, the club is known for its successful football school. It is also home to Hapol Ashdod football club which plays in Liga Aleph which is below the Premier League. Um, the city's top basketball team is Maccabi Ashdod. Uh, the men's squad plays in First League, uh, Israel's uh, top tier league and the women's squad Maccabi um, Benot Ashdod plays in Israel's top women's division. Way to go. Um, Ashdod Ashdod, Ashdog. Um, wonder how many times that's been said. Um, <laughs> Ashdod is host to numerous national and international sporting tournaments, including the annual Ashdod International Chess Festival. Um, the city has a cricket team, which is rare in Israel, I found out, and it is run and organized by Israeli citizens of Indian descent. How cool is that? Um, more power to you guys. Now, another big thing in Ashdod is the Asuta Ashdod Medical Center, and it is a general hospital in Ashdod. Um, it began operation on June 4th, 2017, and was opened in stages, assuming full operation in November 2017. And the hospital has 300 beds and serves the population of Ashdod and its uh, suburbs. The hospital has partnered with Ben Gurion University's medical school, which I spoke about in the Ben Gurion episode or in the Beersheba episode. Um, to train Israel's next generation of doctors, the hospital is fully prepared for security crises, including terrorist incidents and rocket attacks. Its bomb shelter designed is designed with thick concrete walls. Uh, it offers extensive protection with no need to move patients from operating rooms, ICU, inpatient wards, and other critical areas in the event of a missile attack. Um, Asuta Ashdod is Israel's first eco-friendly hospital meeting standards for green construction and operations. So that's almost like, um, Rambam hospital up in, uh, in Haifa. It is built with, uh, with this basically reinforced structure and the reinforced structure is, uh, in case there are rocket attacks, terrorist attacks, and they can do everything right within um, their reinforced walls of the hospital. So, 
As I said, Ashdod is home to the port of Ashdod, and it is one of Israel's two hiccup, sorry, main cargo ports. Um, it handles the largest volume of cargo containers annually of all Israeli ports. Uh, ships carrying humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip also unload their cargo at Ashdod, if you didn't know that. Um, the port of Ashdod remains one of the few deep water ports in the world to be built on the open sea, um, and its construction involves significant engineering challenges. Um, what's next? The Ashdod Museum of Art, um, the Monart Center, uh, Monart, am I saying that right? Monart Center. And now the Ashdod Museum of Art is located in the heart of Ashdod, close to the marina. And here you can witness Israeli and international modern art um, in the museum's 12 district galleries. Uh, there is a pyramidal venue, uh, basically a big glass pyramid, uh, which hosts regular gala events. Now, the famous Mishbetzet Gallery exhibits authentic works of Israeli artists related to children's education. The Green Submarine Gallery uh, includes displays from recycled materials and is devoted to the environment. There is an underground vault in this museum to protect the artifacts and the art, uh, even during rocket attacks. And the vault was used earlier to safeguard the works of Israeli artists uh, to see Begeva during the Gaza conflict in 2014. Um, another museum is the Karin uh, Manane Museum of Philistine Culture, and this is amazing. So the Museum of Philistine Culture is one of the most famous historical attractions in Ashdod. The museum showcases the culture of the Philistines who once lived in the area, and I spoke about that in the, uh, in the history episode. Um, it is renowned as the only museum in the world dedicated solely to Philistine culture. Also, the museum is the first museum of Ashdod City, uh, which was opened in 1990. It is a three-level museum with artifacts displaying Philistine culture on the first level. Uh, the second level is for temporary exhibits, which change regularly. Um, and the third level so, uh, showcases food history of the Aegean Sea through the exhibits of Philistine's Kitchen. How cool is that? You can I I don't you can go and check out what the Philistines ate. Fish, probably. Um, they were the people of the sea, right? So next, if you're moving around Ashdod, you can see the Eye of the Sun, and it is a majestic sculpture designed by, by famous multimedia artist Moti Mizrahi, and it is portrayed as the sun during the day and becomes an LED panel. Uh, with attractive colors at night. It changes its colors to yellow, blue, pink, green, red, and gr and pink, blue, and so on to make wonderful patterns. The LED lighting show is a visual treat um, that can also be seen from the road when driving by the beach. Um, also, if you're in Ashdod, you cannot miss the Big Fashion Mall. And the Big Fashion Mall is an amazing open-air mall that offers luxury shopping and entertainment. I, I love malls, so this is like right up my alley. Its array of popular fashion brands and lavish restaurants offer an amazing shopping experience. Some of the fashion brands to check out in the mall are 
Forever 21, Urbanica, H&M, Mac, Mango, and Swarovski. And the mall covers over 6.4 acres. It's enormous and uh, includes the finest selection of shopping, dining, and recreation. And it is located close to Ad Halom train station, which allows for easy transportation to get there. Um, also there, let's move into the parks in the area. Ashdod Yam Park is a beautifully designed park uh, that has a man-made pond for visitors to lazily enjoy a day of boating. The paved trails allow visitors to admire the scenic green areas of the park while walking. Um, the playground with swings, ropes, and other uh, equipment can make any kid jump with joy. Basketball, football pitches, and a skating rink are also available in the park. You can relax by the fountain in the evening, and with the park's location being near the beach, one can easily take in the breathtaking views of the beach at sunset. Don't worry, we're going to get to the beach. More parks, though. So, at Karim Lachish um, is an amusement park uh, located along the Lachish River in northern Ashdod. And the park is popular for its bumper cars, inflatables, a trampoline, and its children's play area. There is a pool for taking a cold uh, a dip, and it, it's supposed to be really refreshing. Well, it would be absolutely refreshing. There is also a mini petting zoo in the park which exhibits kingfisher, turtles, deer, zebra, ostriches, and many other animals. Um, now, we will move on to Givat Yona, and it is the highest point in Ashdod, and it's located on the northwestern part of the city, uh, with sites of the Lakish River, and port of Ashdod. The hill offers an astounding 360 degree view of the entire city and from it you can witness the panoramic views of the port. Ashdod uh, itself, majestic mountains, you could see all the way out to the, majest uh, to the mountains of Jerusalem and the high-rise buildings of Ashkelon to the south right from the top of the hill. There's also a huge lighthouse on the hill and it's a perfect place to enjoy a picnic um now we're gonna move towards the beach with the ashdod marina and it's also known as the blue marina and it's one of the city's most spectacular attractions the marina is a popular spot for enjoying exciting sea sports such as sailing and surfing um, there are also diving schools on site to get certified for exploring underneath Ashdod's waves. I wrote this. I am such a literal, literary genius. Uh, <laughs> there are plenty of boats for quick trips out onto the sea. And if you don't want to get wet, you can stroll on the marina's promenade and enjoy local food from the eateries surrounding the area there's tons of restaurants so you will be able to find something everyone will like now we come to my favorite part and it is the beaches of ashdod now i am there are a number of beaches in ashdod i'm going to give you some of the highlights but um there are, I, th I think there's like seven beaches in ashdod and then there's more just outside towards ashkelon Alrighty, so first we're going to go to Mitsuda Beach, and it is an isolated beach in Ashdod, and due to its secluded nature, visitors can enjoy the quiet beauty of this beach without much of a crowd. You can walk, jog, 
or take a long walk, uh, or you can walk, uh, take a long walk along the beautiful sands of the beach. And in the evening, the beach has phenomenal sunset views um, that should not be missed if you plan to visit. Um, there are also ruins of an ancient fortress on this beach, which are well worth a visit if you are a hardcore history buff like myself. It is known as uh, Ashdod Citadel, and it is one of the prominent archaeological archaeological sites within Ashdod. And during the Bronze Age period, there were eight towers in this fortress. I spoke about this in the last episode. Later, the fortress was conquered by the Mamelukes in the 13th century and destroyed to keep it from returning crusaders. Remember? Remember, I told you about this. Now, the Citadel stands as an archaeological site that you can, and you can pass through the ruins. You can admire the stunning views of the Mediterranean, and many visitors enjoy picnicking in this area due to its nice, serene atmosphere. And you can do that if you go to Ashdod. Another beach is Gil Beach, and it's a beautiful beach near uh, where you can find always find lifeguards on duty um, to ensure the safety of the swimmers. It's a beautiful beach. The beach also includes um, boats for exploring Ashdod, just like we, it does in the at the marina. And for the physically challenged, um, there is a handicap access path. So it is a handicap accessible beach, Gill Beach is, and that is awesome. There is also a facility for changing. There are drinking fountains and a playground for children. Uh, if you're bringing the whole family, it is recommended that you also visit Gill Beach in the evening so that you can enjoy the amazing views of the sunset over the Mediterranean. You're kind of feeling a pattern. You got to see Ashdod in the evening so you can see that sunset go down onto the Mediterranean. There is nothing like it. Another beach and the last beach I'm going to talk about is Lido Beach. And it is a quaint and quiet beach with surfboards and stand-up paddle boards available for rent. And on every Wednesday, you can shop in the market for souvenirs. Uh, they have a shook there. Um, and you can find souvenirs and food at very affordable prices. There are plenty of restaurants, cafes, and bars uh, located in the area of this beach. And the beach is also a famous spot for you guessed it, striking sunset views. And uh, yeah, so there are a ton of beaches. I'm not going to say all of the beaches are the same, but they all generally offer the same exact be uh, the same exact amenities. There are restaurants around them, bars around them. Um, there are facilities for changing. And Ashdod, just like Ashkelon, just like Haifa, they are beach towns. And if you're if if you had to pick a place to go, Ashdod would be one of them. Um, all right, hey, um, that's it. Thank you uh, for checking out this ap episode and. Uh, listening to me drone on about Ashdod. Um, listen, if this is uh, your first time watching us, of course, hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell. If uh, if you want to take us with you when you go for a run, go for a drive, you're out walking around, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, and as I said before, this episode is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. They are available on Amazon for Kindle. You can get Kindle uh, for your um, 
for your Android, for your iPhone, for Windows, for Mac, and for your iPad. Uh, go to uh, Amazon and download the app. If you look in the uh, if you look in the description below, you can find a link. We've put it there for you. We have what do we have? We have Aleph Bet in print and script, so you can learn the Hebrew alphabet. We have numbers in Hebrew. We have body and clothing in Hebrew, and we are coming out with verbs. I'm working on that right now. I'm working with working with my peeps in Jerusalem, uh, my colleagues. And uh, we're gonna bring that to you really soon. And then we got two more coming after that and they are home and food. And uh, also don't forget to check out Who is a Jew? My children's bedtime story uh, to tell your children what being a Jew is um, and what it means. Um, Big props to Donna Korokova, the illustrator of that book. It's also available on Amazon for Kindle. Um, all right, that's it. Todorova, leitrotve, yalla bye. Shabbat Shalom.